Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, the podcast where I, Quinn Cummings, give advice to people I do not know. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be asking yourself, does Quinn really want to give me bad advice? And the answer is no, I do not want to give you bad advice. I want to give you good advice. But I have absolutely no qualification to give you any sort of advice at all. I am not June. I am not July. I am not August. I give advice because it amuses me to do so. So you might be asking yourself, will this advice I'm about to give you be good advice? Well, I think the answer is in the title of the podcast. If you want me to give you bad advice, you can leave a question for me at qcbad.com. It's completely anonymous, and better yet, it's completely free. So I can offer up this advice with a 100% money-back guarantee. Now, let's get started. My first question today comes from qcbad.com. Subject, my son wants to change his first name. Dear Quinn, my 19-year-old has decided to reinvent himself in college with a new name, one which has zero in common with his actual name. It's an old-fashioned biblical name, Isaac. He chose it because he, quote-unquote, likes it better. He is not planning to legally change his name and all his documents. He just wants people to call him Isaac. He says he will still answer to Eric, but will introduce himself as Isaac, as if this is yet another nickname like my calling him E. Is this something he wants to explain every time he meets someone? What happens when people wonder why his name is different on everything from his ID to what his teachers call him? My husband believes it's ridiculous. It's not like I'm heartbroken he's ditching the names I gave him. I'm just honestly confused why one name is any better than the other. His brother says I should stop this nonsense, and his sister says let him do it. I'm torn between being supportive by encouraging him to do what he wants and protecting him from making a mistake. Any thoughts? Your son, Eric Isaac, is a legal adult. Legal adults do things all the time. Some of them are stupid, and some of them are brilliant, and most of them are eminently forgettable. You do not have enough data yet to determine which one this is. Either he will stick with this name and at some point go through the labor of getting it legally changed, or in six months he stops trying to get everyone to call him Isaac, and the only people who do are his good friends when they want to lovingly mock him for having made life fractionally harder than it needs to be. For the rest of his life, he's going to be making decisions, and you will have no control over any of them. This as annoying as it is, is a fun and easy way to practice smiling gently at your son and saying, you, adult man, are making a decision and I have no control over it. Please realize I will probably continue to call you Eric because my brain jello has settled up. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, professional jealousy? Dear Quinn, I work in a small medical office where I am one of a few survivors of a wave of firings and people quitting. We recently got a new boss who is amazing, fun, and positive, and will definitely help put this place back on track. 
for her first two weeks, I helped show her the ropes and we bonded and we spent most of our days together, which was really refreshing for me. She's fun and she's going to be a great help to me in what I used to think of was a dead-end job. Got to a few weeks later when a new assistant who is helping her and another administrator started. This new assistant is likable, but is super possessive of the new boss. She is almost never away from her and now seems to take up most of her time. I feel like I'm in high school again because I'm intensely jealous of this new, new person and the fact that I rarely get to spend time with my new boss anymore. How can I just relax, enjoy my improved work environment and not be jealous, even if I don't get to see the person I thought was going to be my new work BFF as much? Someone is reenacting a drama from their childhood. I just don't know if it's you or the assistant. Doesn't matter. You're still unhappy and feel cut out, which sucks. You admitted that it feels high school, but I want you to remember, you're an adult. An adult with a job. A job this woman oversees. Can you reach out to her and ask for 20 minutes a week, maybe at the end of a day, just to check in about the previous week? First, it's a good chance to remind her that you're a careful and thorough employee who really appreciates the new lack of daily beatings. Second, it gives the two of you a chance to just connect again. If the assistant really, really wants to be in that room, explain politely that you're trying to be very cautious because of, I don't know, HEPA. It always seems to cover everything. So you're more comfortable if it's just you and the boss. Then, and I cannot stress this enough, shut the door and actually have something to talk about. But also a small piece of bad advice. I think you can have a work BFF, but I don't think they can be your boss. Just saying. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, female cat eating brother cat's food. Dear Quinn, we have two cats, an eight-month-old female and a ten-month-old male. They get along great. But over the past month, the baby girl has been taking both her portion of food and a large portion of her brother's. He is a rather slow eater, taking a bite, then going for a walk, then coming back. But when he comes back for more, it's all gone. He complains because he's still hungry, and his sister is starting to get a little bit heavier than may be healthy. We already feed them in separate bowls. Any ideas? Yes. Feed them in separate rooms. His room is closed off for an hour or so, so he can do his eat, drift, eat, drift, eat, drift. And then when you let him out, the food goes away. Sneak him a few high-value, read, high-calorie treats during the day, maybe when she's asleep. Trader Joe's has a cat treat I believe would motivate my cats to learn salsa dancing. But mostly, he just needs to eat in peace. If she starts harassing and distracting him by pounding on the door because she just knows there's food in there, distract her with brushing or a toy that only comes out when he's eating. She's a teenager, and she's a cat. You can outwit her. Before we go to our next question, I would love to tell you about Libro.fm. And yes, this is an ad. I have been very careful about not having ads up until now. I wanted to have products I really believed in and I really used. 
I really believe in and I really use Libro.fm. What is Libro.fm? It is an app which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 215,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You're going to get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, and I believe you know which one that is. But you will be part of a different story. This is what we can do right now for our independent bookstores. Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice has a special offer for you, the new listener at Libro.fm. Go to Libro.fm forward slash redeem forward slash Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, sign up for a membership and get two books for the price of one. We can listen to books and we can help our local bookstores. Let's keep them going. And now back to some bad advice. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, Life Choices. Dear Quinn, I have maybe 10 years before I assume I will start the slow decline into Alzheimer's like my dad. Do I quit nursing, which I hate, or try to get back into plant pathology, which I love? I have very little information here. But the one word I'm locking in on is assume. It's possible you know you have the gene which puts you at greater risk, but, and I am very stupid here, I don't believe even with the gene it's an absolute certainty. Or maybe you don't know for certain, but like this gal right here, you think everything is going to go cattywampus all the time. I'm going to tell you a secret you may not have gotten in nursing school. We're all going to die. If the last year has taught us anything, and I'm virtually certain it has not, it's that none of us know if we're going to be around to tell that friend we love them or even finish that cheesecake. On a concrete level, I would say talk to a certified financial planner. Figure out what your needs are, what they might be going forward, whether you need extra help or not. And then start talking to the people you know who do the work you love, or Start doing research in the field and reach out to people you'd love to know. The more information you have, the more confident you will be with the choice you make. Decide not to decide for, I don't know, six months. Learn everything you can. Then you will know what your next step is. The human brain is trickier than we want to admit. I recall a story I read recently about certain autopsies where people who were not diagnosed with dementia got to the end of their life unscathed, turned out to have had the telltale plaque in their brain. They had the physical markers of Alzheimer's. They just didn't have the symptoms. Somehow, they had had Alzheimer's but wired around it. Your future is not written in stone, and no one deserves to be unhappy. As a friend says, when the game is over, they don't give you any time back. Go learn a bunch of stuff, and if you want, report back. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, why is gender so hard? Dear Quinn, how do you figure out who you are if you've never been able to be yourself? 
I feel like I can't really come out as non-binary or a trans woman if I can't even explain to myself who I am other than I like dresses and leggings, and I never really felt right as a boy-slash-man. I'm 41. I'm an adult. Shouldn't I have figured this out sooner? I want you to imagine a newborn infant. Now, imagine you leaning over it and screaming, Why are you not rollerblading? Your epiphany is a newly born thought. Please stop insisting it be ready to rollerblade. I understand. You are in the liminal state, the state between states. And the liminal state makes people anxious as it's fraught and we feel very vulnerable. The inclination is to rush through it, but that is not how the liminal state works. Rush through it, and it just gets longer and starts developing boils. You have learned a wonderful and magical thing about yourself this year. Now, time to unpack it. Ideally, with someone who specializes in issues of gender. Interview a few therapists who do this, pick the right one for you, and then start talking. Do a bunch of reading. Say what you will of our current hellscape. It's rife with people looking at gender with new eyes. Ultimately, we are our own greatest experiment and discovery. You have to decide that this liminal space isn't terrifying but beautiful. Or terrifying and beautiful. You are currently plenipotent, which is a fancy way of saying you are full of power, capable of anything. Take this time to learn about yourself and about other gender-variant warriors. One of my favorites is a colonial figure who named themselves Public Universal Friend. I like them so much I named one of our yard cats after them. But mostly marvel at the person you are becoming. You will eventually figure out your pronouns. But by that point, you will be so powerful and joyous that your pronoun will be the least interesting thing about you. This one came from qcbad.com. Subject, can't think of a name. Dear Quinn, I have to name a piece of property in the San Juan Islands of Washington. It's on the water has madronas, cedar, eagles, ravens, otters, orcas. All the names that keep coming to my mind are treacly, like Three Feather Point or Raven's Call. I hate those names. It's not allowed to relate to my own name in any way. Once named, it's irrevocable. My inability to come up with something is keeping the property from being transferred to me. Yes, I know this is a nice problem to have. But it's also a problem. Any bad advice? It's an excellent problem to have, but also, I totally get it, this is a huge responsibility. As soon as my daughter could articulate such things, she informed me I had saddled her with a terrible name, so it's possible I'm not the one to ask. But let's pretend I am. My instinct would be to acknowledge that we are trespassers on the land of people who were there first. My lightest of Google shows me the tribes still have a presence there. And, fun fact, Kennewick Man, a nearly complete 8,500-year-old skeleton found near Kennewick, Washington, is genetically tied to those islands. 
If it were me, I'd research place names, object names, find a name that really resonates for you in the original languages. Maybe find some small ritual to thank the people who came before, and then get that house sign painted. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, Husband's Chat Buddy. Dear Quinn, my husband seems to think texting another woman while I sit beside him because, I quote, I like to have someone to talk to, unquote, is not a thing over which I should be irrationally angry. I, however, am on the verge of throwing him out. Couples therapy or to the dumpster with him? When you read fashion magazines the way I do, endlessly, you read a bunch of articles about relationships. Nearly everything I read doesn't stick with me on account of it being nonsense and also contradicted by next month's article. But there was a quote from a therapist that did stick. They said, in effect, a couple can get over hating each other, but not contempt. Your husband may not hold you in contempt, but this is a contemptuous act. I obviously have no idea how long you've been married, whether your children will be affected, whether you have the resources for lots of couple therapy. But with absolutely no data, I'm going to make this suggestion. See a therapist for no other reason so there is a third pair of eyes when you say, you texting another woman, giving her the best parts of yourself as you sit next to me, feels contemptuous, and I would like you to start treating me with the kindness you show her. See what he says in front of an observer. Gather data. I recall a therapist once telling a friend of mine that a high percentage of couples counseling is really just one of the couple already knowing they're going to split up and just needing some runway in which to do it. Maybe you have therapy. Maybe it's a runway. Trust me when I say that a few hours with a couple's counselor will be the cheapest part of your divorce, should you choose to get one, and will allow you to tell yourself, I gave him a chance to be less hateful and he decided not to take it. He left me with no choice. And then tell him he can text that to his friend. Okay. I think that's enough bad advice for today. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy. That's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to QCBad.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. If you want to show people your feelings about bad advice, we now have bad advice merchandise with our fork and a toaster logo at QuinnCummings.com forward slash merch. We do add new products from time to time, so check out the catalog and let me know what you think. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, 
and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time.